Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor, and I'm here with Dr. Dave Barker from uh, our seminary uh, here in the KW area, I guess Cambridge as well. Uh, Dave Barker is, uh, are you Professor Emeritus now, or what's, what's your handle at the at Heritage? I am now Professor Emeritus of Biblical Studies. So that does that mean you get to say whatever you like? Uh, well, it means I'm old, <laughs> means I'm retired, but the fact is that I'm still connected with the school. Ah, uh, yeah, there are some boundaries that probably I need so you got to behave yourself? Gotta, uh, yeah, i got to behave myself. Okay, sure. even on this show? Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so, Dave, you know, as, as everyone right now in the world, that there's a huge conversation going on out of Glasgow with the conference on um, the environment, global warming, climate change, however you want to call it. And a lot of Christians, like myself, uh, look at that almost like a religion, and we wonder, what is, what is our response to this? What, what is the Christian's duty to the environment, the world, which is going to be destroyed anyway? <laughs> and so how are we to think about this, this little blue pl- planet, third from the sun, um, how do we care for it? How, what does God expect of us? How are we accountable for that? And how do we relate to um, movements today that are loving the world, uh, caring for the world, uh, but they're not our our stripe, and we get swept up in things that we're not comfortable with? So can we just have a conversation about that? Sure. I I think I think the first place to start is right back in Genesis 1 and recognize that there is a cultural mandate that was given by God uh, to God's people, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. I believe that that cultural mandate that he gave in Genesis 1, the statement here in Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make humankind, let us make man humankind in our image, in our likeness, let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over the creatures that move along the ground and uh, so that's all part of our image bearing ness um, I tend to think that we have been created I like the language of we have been created uh, as God's image more than the in God's image because I think it reminds us it, it points us to our the fact that we are representative of representative of God uh, in caring for creation so first of all I would start there we do have what we would call a cultural mandate to care for creation. And uh, that has not been abrogated by, you know, the, the evangelistic, uh, the Matthew 28 uh, mandate. I, st- I think it still uh, continues to, uh, for us today. Israel had an evangelistic mandate in, in Exodus 19. Uh, they were to be a, a priest to the nations. And so... I, th- I think you have to start there. Okay, so how do you how do you get there from that passage? Because it talks about uh, almost using the earth, you know, um, bringing forth its yield, using it. Whereas we're saying that that includes caring for it. Like, Absolutely. how do you? Because there are people that look at the earth as just something to be consumed, right? Right. But you're saying that you can't do that unless you care for it as well. Yeah, I, it's it's both. It's there. It's not our God. The earth is not our God. It's, it's not something that rules us. We rule the earth. We rule creation. But like any farmer knows, 
that if you're going to gain the benefit of the fields, um, I grew up on a farm, I've spent lots of times on the fields, on a tractor. If you're going to care for the fields, if you're going to get the benefit from the fields, you gotta, you've got mm-hmm. to treat them properly. Mm-hmm. And even in the Old Testament Israel, one of the ways that they were, they were treated properly was every seven years they were to lie fallow so that they could be rejuvenated and that the prosperity of creation, mm-hmm. those fields, could continue. So, yeah, it's a both and, of course. I, I, I forget where I read this, but even animals are part of our stewardship. God makes provision for animals, how not to abuse them, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I think a lot of us... Our, when we read that, we say, God, why do you care about an animal? They're here to be slaughtered, and we can hunt them. And w- but, but you would argue, I think, that there's a theology of animals. We ha- how do we look at animals as, as Christians, not just as food or as uh, a sport? Well, um, one of my favorite passages to talk about is uh, the prohibition of not plowing with a, an, an ox and a donkey in Deuteronomy 22. Why would God care about that? Well, first of all, I think it's part of his creation, but I find it interesting that we're not to plow with an ox and a donkey because, and I'll never forget being in a field in Israel, just outside of Ai, and where we think Ai is, and across the valley there was this person plowing with an ox and a donkey, and our (laughs) teacher said, look, and talked then about Deuteronomy 22 and what that meant. And he said, why, why, did, why is that prohibition there? Prohibition there. And he said, it's basically because it's cruel to the ox. Because the donkey doesn't pull his weight. And it creates that imbalance. And, um, hmm. and I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Now, when you start bringing the unequal yoke into the New Testament, that then has some very interesting right. implications as well as Jesus saying, take my yoke upon you. But no, there... It, part of its creation we're not the uh, another text in deuteronomy 22 is you're not supposed to cut down a tree until you find out whether there's a mother bird mm-hmm. sitting on a nest mm-hmm. and the the law is you can take the mother bird uh but you have to care for the for the eggs and the, and the little ones so that there can be a propagation mm-hmm. of of the uh, of that particular species of bird interesting how that that happens right so would you be an environmentalist? Yes, I am. I, I'm, I'm not afraid to call myself an environmentalist. I think, I think we need to care for the environment. I think it's part of our stewardship. I think it is part, granted, it is not our God or goddess. The earth is not our goddess or our God. But it is, it is necessary to sustain in order to bring about well-being for not just the animal creation, but for humans. And we know that a major kind of injustice uh, deals with the poor when we rob them Mm -hmm. through our exploitation Mm -hmm. of the earth of the resources they need to do well and survive. So how how would a Christian think then about renewable energy and oil and it seems to me that's a huge issue right now, um, closing down oil production or importing from s- the Saudis. Um, how how committed should we be to wind and, and renewable energies, and how evil is 
the oil and gas industry? <laughs> well, I think we need to be careful of using terms like evil. Um, I, I think there's some practicalities here. I am very enthusiastic about alternate forms of, mm -hmm. of energy, but I still drive a vehicle that uses mm -hmm. gasoline to power it. Um, I think there's a transition that we need to work our way through, but I do think that we need to encourage our leaders, our government leaders, our economic leaders, our other and, and whatever, to move in that direction and find different sources of energy so that we can carry on with the uh, with the life that we know and mm -hmm. as we know it. What do you, what do you think about? And I'm just I don't even know how I think about this, but you hear people say that climate change is an existential threat. It's the most important thing on the planet right now. Uh, whatever it takes, we're at war, all hands on deck, nothing more important than this. I mean, really? Is that how we're, we're to read this? Is, is that just alarmist talk? Well, I think that when you start getting into those extremes, you probably are pushing into the alarmist talk. But, the difficulty with, with that kind of language is that some of us react against that and say, okay, okay, that's just too much. It's over the top. And then what we do is we move too far back. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't become an issue or we push it totally aside. And so, yeah, I don't think the alarmist language is, is helpful. I don't think that using language of this is the most important thing in our day and time, although I'll have to say my choice of voting in the past election, probably the number one thing that I looked for was the party's response to climate change. Now, it was different for my wife. She was much more interested in health care mm -hmm. uh, because of her situation. So we had a very interesting conversation about how we were going to vote. And I, I voted for a party that I thought would take very seriously the whole climate uh, change thing. But I think the alarmist language actually starts working against us. Mm -hmm. When I read the Greta Thunbergs and the the activists talk about climate change, even though I want to agree with what with a lot of what they're saying, I just can't go with them on their marches because I don't. I never forget the Paris Accord when they signed a deal, it was almost like a, a revival meeting. It was like yeah. the, a spiritual thing. They were weeping as if they were saving the planet and it was spiritual. And I just thought, man, just, I, can't, I can't get excited about that. Do, do you see that in, in the movement today? Is it, is it quasi-religious? Is, is there a danger for evangelicals who have a biblical view of the environment um, to link with them for a common cause, or is the quasi-religious aspect too great for us to join with them? Or are, are, how comfortable are you being part of that movement? Uh, not very. Um, I, I think that there's so often there's stuff around the edges that mm -hmm. I cannot embrace, mm -hmm. such as a mystical, theological, spiritual view of creation, of mm -hmm. Mother Earth, of, mm -hmm. of the goddesses and, and gods uh, that, that tend to root itself fairly deeply in, in what I would call pagan kind of thinking. Mm -hmm. And so, no, I'm, I'm not prepared to embrace all that 
and I think that to connect with that can can lead to some misunderstandings of what the movement is. But uh, I think our voice needs to be there. I'm not exactly sure how. I think there are means by which we can express our voice. Uh, and I think we need to explore what those look like. Um, but and it, it like, the, like the Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. We, we care deeply about mm-hmm. racism. We care deeply about injustice. But to embrace that movement mm-hmm. with all the marginal connections, it, it was something that um, I don't think that I could have mm-hmm. could have embraced at that level. But you're, you're on a, like a local conservation board. What is that you're part of? Uh, up at, uh, we, we have a family cottage up in Muskoka, and I'm on a conservation committee. Uh, of the Lake Association, and uh, we are dealing with a couple of fairly significant issues on our lake. Um, there's been an algae bloom on our lake that we're worried about. There's some issues with fish and some of the wildlife and the water quality and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm inv- I'm active in that. Uh, another thing that I'm active in is um, I've kind of taken on a personal interest in. Doing something as simple as picking up litter mm-hmm. uh, along the road that we find our cottage on. And yeah. so I cover about maybe five or six kilometers yeah. of with a plastic bag. And and, uh, and there's a plastic bag. Probably shouldn't be a plastic <laughs> bag. Shall be a cloth bag. Uh, picking up litter. Because yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. I have a neighbor that does that. Just goes for a walk. He's got this cloth thing. He doesn't have to bend down. Yeah. Um, he's not religious, but um, he's doing the right thing. Well, well, Dave, I, I think you've, that's an example of how we can, practically speaking, uh, work out our theology as stewards of the earth and do let things. Let me say two more things. you got one for minute. One minute. First of all, load your church with blue boxes. And number two, get rid of plastic water bottles. Okay? There's, there's two very practical ways that we can make a statement and do something good. Yeah, I w- I have been warned about that. I've had a plastic <laughs> bottle at the front. Someone told me I got a metal one the next week. So it's a good message. Okay, Dave Barker, thank you for sharing that with us. Dave Barker, theological activist for the uh, the stewardship of the earth, but uh, not a crazy. <laughs> okay, th- th- that's, a, that's a good description. You're thank right you. in the middle. Okay, God bless you, and thanks for listening to us, and we'll see you again next week on Thinking About It. God bless you. Thank you.